Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Startup Sales. Today, we've got a great guest, the founder of Chili Piper, uh, Nicholas Vandenberg. And if you remember that name, Chili Piper, it's because we had Michael Tuso, uh, their head of sales, also on our podcast a while back. So today, Nicholas is going to share with us uh, the bullseye strategy. He's actually a four-time founder, so he gives us some really great insight onto how to hit the ground running and get your initial sales. So we're going to dive in depth. There's a lot of information, and I hope you like it. Startup Sales is a podcast about what it's really like to get a business off the ground. We talk with founders, CEOs, and sales VPs from the high-tech market. You'll learn how to build and scale a sales team. You'll also hear about the growth challenges and tough decisions from others who have had both successes and failures. And now, your host of the Startup Sales Podcast, Adam Springer. If you're a B2B startup with a complicated sales process, then Startup Sales is here to help you. What we do is we help you uh, engage with more prospects, convert those prospects into paying clients, and then scale that into a big team. So if you need help, just head on over to startupsales.io, that's startupsales.io, and apply for a call with us. Let's get to today's episode with Nicholas. Nicholas, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Really excited to have you here. Uh, I've actually been lucky enough to have one of your uh, team also join us a while ago. Michael Tuso came and was a guest here as well. Michael's but, great, uh, yeah. yeah. Can you introduce us uh, to who you are and a little bit of background about yourself? Yes, absolutely. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Chili Piper. Chili Piper is a, a solution, a suite of solutions for salespeople. So with sales tech. Uh, I started the company in 2016, getting on four years. I've done several companies before, uh, so I guess one could call me a serial entrepreneur. In that uh, I do a series of them. Uh, I'm originally French, as I'm sure everybody will guess very quickly. And uh, I came to the U.S. in the mid-90s to go to Stanford Business School. That's when I picked up my passion for uh, tech and tech entrepreneurship. So I've been um, now I live in New York and I've been in the US ever since. Excellent. So you had three companies before this one and this is your fourth. That's exactly right. Yeah. Now you have some really exciting numbers with your current company. I'm sure you're with your past ones as well, but can you kind of share a little bit about your your momentum that you've achieved so far with your current company? Yes, for this company, uh, we decided to bootstrap so we um, did not raise money. We had to uh, go and uh, try to be cash profitable as soon as possible. We started in January 2016, and um, we were able to bootstrap past $2 million. At that stage, we took an investment, but all the investment went into R&D. The reason why we raised money is because uh, we wanted to hire a lot of engineers because we have a lot of product ideas that we want to bring to market and we uh, didn't want to uh, wait and fund on our own cash flow but uh, on our own cash flow we're able to grow the sales team uh, all the way until now and we've been uh, doubling year over year the way we did it i'm sure it's a question that people ask uh, and i ask myself <laughs> you know when i started say how are we going to do it um there there, there were two uh, um tricks uh, two key elements uh, the first one is that uh, 
we didn't come up with an idea and see the idea had some legs was with what call people call product market fit we went the other way we talked to a lot of customers uh, one customer had a particular problem they say we have a problem for our prospecting team to book meeting with our account executives because they need to both um, distribute them round robin and find the time that works and and things all sorts of complication it was a very narrow yet acute problem so we went to i went to interview a lot of other companies and say, hey, do you happen to have that problem? And say, uh, yeah. And I said, how do you solve it? Oh, we have a giant Google Sheet uh, to solve it. And, you know, whenever you see a painful Google Sheet, you know, there's a market opportunity. So we kind of cheated. We say, okay, there's a problem we're going to solve. We went back to the first company. It's called 5000. And say, um, if you prepay 20K, we'll do it for you. And they prepaid. And we got started. And as a result, we knew that there was... A market and the companies were willing to pay for that. Typically, when you do that, you end up with something quite uh, small and narrow, right? Because you, you can't uh, have somebody say, "Hey, would you like a new CRM? Yeah, would would you would you uh, prepay uh, five hundred thousand dollars <laughs> that I build it and see how it goes?" That wouldn't work. So that was the first thing. The second thing we did is that um, we targeted very influential companies early on. So we. Um, on purpose, went after the harder accounts to get, but those, those are more demanding, but those were also more influential. So our second win was Greenhouse in New York, which is a very visible company. They're very uh, respected for their um, for the quality of their, of their staff and operation. So getting a win at Greenhouse was a kind of pedigree in New York, right? That you, 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 yeah. It just happened to us... Uh, uh, you know, I listened to a lot of recordings of my salespeople, and uh, on one of the recordings, this woman said, uh, I came to you because uh, she's in the Bay Area. She said, I came to you because uh, we know that uh, all the fast-growing SaaS companies use chili pepper. Yeah. yeah. And that, that exactly, that was not by chance. That was by design. We, we, we targeted these uh, more influential companies. Um, to It's called the bullseye strategy. It's the idea that... Uh, Influence start with some core people at the center of the bullseye and spread to concentric circles. And you want to make sure that you find the most influential uh, companies early on. When we launched, um, so once we got in business, we, we became cash positive in October. Uh, we started in January, we were cash positive in October uh, of 2016. And then we said, okay, now we have money, we can look at other problems to solve. And the next problem we decided to solve was the inbound process. So companies would... Be, before you jump into the inbound yeah. process, sorry, I wanted to ask, dive into this bullseye strategy because I think this is really neat. How did you, you okay, you target the most influential uh, companies, the ones that have the loudest uh, social presence. Yeah. Uh, but what did you say to them? Say, look, we want you to use this, pay us and also advertise for us or how did you get them to, to share the word? So that's a nice thing about them is that you don't need to ask them to advertise for you because they already do by their nature, right? Mm -hmm. you, you, you've, you've targeted those who are influential. So, uh, and the other question is, but how do you know who's influential? Um, you see who's speaking at meetups. You see who's quoted on, on podcasts. You see who's uh, quoted on interviews, right? And, uh, and then you ask people around and they tell you. 
So, so you know that you're talking to influential people. So, so you've got, you've achieved the first part, which is you get the target right. And uh, then the hard part is to convert the target, right? So say uh, green ass, influential, no, use my shit. And then say, uh, and why would they do that? Well, as luck would have it, often influential companies are those who are also more forward thinking and therefore willing to try new things. It's, it's correlated. Yeah. So they are willing to try new things. I was going to talk about our inbound solution. When we launched our inbound solution, I went to uh, target a segment, the company. Uh, segment at the time, there was this French guy, uh, Guillaume Caban, uh, who was very visible because he would always try new things and write about it. He would write about how he do all sorts of advanced uh, ways to qualify leads. To uh, So I went to him and I said, look, I have a better way for you to do your inbound process. And it was very funny, actually, because he said, um, there's nothing new in what you're saying. Uh, we already do all that stuff. I said, well, let me explain more details. And then he said, right, okay, well, I'm going to do an A-B test. And for me, it was gold, right? Because if my, if my stuff doesn't work, then I shouldn't waste my time on it. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, good to know uh, now. Yeah, right, exactly, right? So the it's, it was gold. So uh, we started in, in summer 17, um, it did happiest traffic uh, on inbound uh, regular process. So a form and somebody's going to call you and then SDRs follow up. The other half was chili pepper. When when the form is submitted, we in real time instant uh, instantly retrieve the salespeople either on the phone or the calendar and book or connect. And halfway through the A/B test, literally, I got an email. He said, uh, "Okay, we're good." We're good to go. Our conversion rate has increased plus sixty-one percent. Wow! Um, so that, that that was double gold, right? Because <laughs> no, I knew it worked, and I had a reference. So I actually screenshotted the email and forwarded forwarded the hell out of it to everybody. I said, "Look, guys, have increased their their um, conversion rate in one plus sixty-one percent. It's massive when you think plus sixty-one percent, right? So you you spend uh, uh, half a million dollars a month in marketing, you get say 200 leads or 500 leads and all of a sudden you convert twice as many uh yeah. you know, <laughs> it's straight to top line yeah. so um so that that's the idea um and we we consistently um whenever we launch a new product uh, we go to our most influential customers but if it's a kind of a new category, like our inbound was more um, uh, targeting uh, marketing as for to sales, then we'll go with uh, a different companies you know, uh, who's more influential. As um, right now, we're we getting close to um, launching our inbox solution. I don't know if you saw that uh, on one of our announcements. We have this really cool thing where um, we've... Um, design a, a client email where you can share and share your emails with other people and comment and we can auto share so we say every single account related is shared or we can uh, dynamically share which says hey i ping you on an email then the email is shared with you and so that is completely wonderful for uh, account managers and cs who take over an account and can see what was done before right so that's yeah. a new it's a persona that we actually already sell to, but but, um, but it's different. So now I'm looking for what are the most influential companies in that space. 
And if their listeners here, they'll know why you're calling. <laughs> That's right, exactly. <laughs> say, oh, well, I guess they'd be flattered and say, oh, we're an influential company. Yeah. 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 Well, it's a fantastic approach. And um, I think it's, you know, I've heard a lot of companies as well, like, you know, start, build a list of your A targets and, and go focus your attention on them. But I like that this is more than just focusing on A targets. It's why are the targets A targets? And like, it's coming right. from a different approach. That's it's not, right. uh, not, well, these are, would be great clients. It's, well, these would be great clients and it would help us get our word out. Yeah, you're exactly right. And and sometimes, uh, you know, they, they, they uh, appearances can be deceiving. So for example, we have Airbnb as customer. Now we love it, right? We, uh, I love Airbnb, it's, it's changed my life and, and I'm so happy to have my customer. But in, in the tech space, they're not an influential customer, right? They, people don't think, uh, I wonder what marketing stack I should use when I look at Airbnb. They will look yeah. at segment. Uh, so um, the uh, identification of UA target is a bit more subtle than just looking at big big names, big logos, and cool brands. You have to uh, rethink about uh, who is influential in that space. Yeah. All right. So now you've, how big is your sales team now? We're still not that big. We, we, uh, on new logos, we have uh, five SDRs and seven AEs, and then we have uh, two account managers and three CS for um, satisfaction, adoption, and renewal. Okay. And how, how did you come to these numbers? How do you come to how many SDRs you should have for an AE, how many CS, etc. Yes, so uh, we are very focused on, on uh, conversion rates, which is basically the yield of a particular resource, right? And I did not want to hire um, um, a SDRs until I was sure that they would be able to meet their quota or exceed their quota. So the way we've done it is we've we've experimented um, on our sales development um, work to make sure that we can uh, bring in somebody new and have that person meet target on month two. We've actually brought in people recently and they were able to meet the target on month one. So that's how we did it. We, it was uh, the, the constraint is uh, if we bring people, can we get them immediately to where they're going to be very productive, which is a good thing for everybody, for us and for them, right? You don't want to join a company and be a laggard for 12 months, right? And keep missing your target. So both on the a, 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 SDRs and AEs, that's how we've done it. Uh, it's only now that we have, um, have a lot of uh, trials and error. And Michael Chuso, uh, whom you interviewed before, was a key in that process, that we have a very re repeatable repeatable process that we can now deploy. So we will hire a lot more this year. Um, but that's the reason why we see a, a reasonably small number of uh, reps compared to other companies uh, like us, uh, because we wanted to have a very clear method and process to bring everybody to target. And so I, I kind of know the answer to this, uh, but I, I want you to say it. How do you know if you if you have enough business to come in for another account executive? 
that's a very good question. Um, we, we, we've had a bit of a zigzag in, in Chili Pepper because early on, all our business came inbound. And it's because people had tried it. There was a bullseye strategy you know, with the influencers. The people, it happens, it still happened with somebody come and say, wow, I was on the segment website. I booked a meeting with them. It was so awesome. I looked at what tools they were using to do that and I came to you. Um, so we had all this inbound flow. And then, um, then we thought, okay, if we want to grow faster, we need to bring more pipeline. And that's when we started the sales development effort up down. Um, and I neglected the marketing part. Um, so we, we all make mistakes. I made that mistake. Um, so as I worked on the outbound, we had very little marketing around the lead generation. So paid ad and things of this nature. So now I can scale to your question is how do we know if we have enough business for the A's? Now we're going to hire more SDRs because we know we can scale that outbound process and bring pipeline. And so first we bring the SDRs and then we bring the A's. Uh, but in parallel, we've hired a CMO, and we're now starting to do all the good things that a, CM, a good CMO, an outstanding CMO, does. <laughs> um, and so um, we'll see. But it's um, reasonably straightforward, right? You, you can see how many leads you are, uh, what conversion you get on these leads to make sure that the quality leads, and then you say, okay, there's enough work for, for um, more kind of executives. So track your numbers. Yeah, track your numbers. <laughs> we track every number. You're <laughs> very data-driven. How important was that to the beginning stages of your growth? Tracking numbers? Yeah. I would, uh, I would say not important, and actually uh, not important because it's not possible. The reality is that in the early days, when the, the, the data is not reliable, uh, the samples are too small and the individuals matter too much. So you, you can't um, really have, have a good sense of uh, what's happening based on data. You have, you're going to have a month where you close 150K and a month where you close 20K, right? And and you say, oh, well, we're ready. Oh, no, we're not ready, right? Um, yeah. Where when you have uh, you know when like where we are now with there's no we still have months better than others but not to that level of uh, volatility. So in the in the early days, it's interesting because uh, I noticed when that started changing when I started managing by data as opposed to managing by individual item. Uh, when I was managing my individual item, I'd go to my uh, say two account executives. I'd look at each one of their deals and I'd look at what can close and we're going. Now I, I look at the pipeline, the conversion rates. I, I, I don't look at the individual items. And at the beginning, you have to look at individual items. So for the for a long time, actually, you 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 have to because you have to keep paying attention to um, what the prospects are telling you, what's working, what's not working, closing a deal, what the reps are doing right. So you have to look at the, all these unit. Uh, unit economics and unit, unit behavior level. Um, and I would say that uh, I see that a lot of companies don't do that and they're able to scale, but they um, have a lot less, uh, a lot lower what's called capital efficiency. In other words, they raise a lot of money. You know, we have more revenues than capital ever put in the company. 
uh, that's unusual in the SaaS yeah. world, right? I mean, you have companies that have raised 200 million and they have the 40 million run rate or 50 million run rate. Um, and, and that's because they, they deploy capital very quickly when, in effect, they're not ready. Now, that's a strategy that works. Um, yeah, grow and then and then tweak it to right, to right, and, and then learn, learn why perhaps uh, your salespeople couldn't make it. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and we you know we 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 sell salespeople, so we see that we we see the hiccups where companies have 100 AEs and say, oh, we had laid off, we only have 60 AEs now, and that's that's the reason they 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 went way too too fast. And, but as I said, it um, it's not bad strategy um, when you can have, have access to capital, which seems to be the case these days. But then you get companies that, were, that have been very capital efficient all along, like uh, my friend at Datadog, uh, you know, who was you know, worth $11 billion, um, mostly because uh, the early days were not easy. It was hard for him to raise capital. And, uh, and you can see that's a really beautiful business when you've just optimized all along. Yeah, I, I think it's important to, like, as you said, under, if you're there and you're paying attention and you're reading the notes and listening to the calls of uh, the salespeople, you still have your finger on the pulse of, of what the clients are saying and how they're perceiving the product and what they need, because that affects the whole business. And then you build a strong foundation like that, you may be a little bit slower to grow, but if you combine it with the VC money you could grow rapidly and have a solid sales team at the same time to keep that consistent growth. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. All right. So, when when did you know that it was time to start switching away from that managing individually to starting to manage by the numbers? Yeah, it was gradual. It, it was not a uh, one one time where I say, "Okay, I, I'm ready." But um, it it um, so let me, let me try to be precise. Uh, I think half a dozen is a number. Uh, half a dozen of reps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when you below half a dozen, you have these three guys, four guys, uh, guys or girls, a woman. Uh, uh, you talk to and you're there, and then you 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 pass this half a dozen things. You you first, it's much harder to manage item by item, and second, you you can see trends across six people, right? You can yeah. see uh, if everybody is a challenging month. Like we launched a new product uh, recently called Events to help people manage their events. Uh, with one or two people, you can say, oh, I didn't get it. But with uh, six or seven people, you say, okay, uh, the data I'm getting is reliable. So that that's that's uh, probably the, the threshold. There are some magic numbers like that. Uh, for example, uh, all the way to 15 people in the company, you can uh, manage everybody. So I can be, everybody reports to me, right? And then you, you get, past 15. A lot of people will argue it's lower, but um, I'm a big, big believer in flat organization. You pass 15, you can't do it anymore. So then you, you need head of departments. Right? So you need somebody to be head of uh, engineering, head of uh, marketing, head of sales. Um, and then, but it's still easy. You still very organic. You have your head of each, each things and your uh, uh, coordination and thing. And then you get to 
40, uh, 50 people. And then you need this horrible thing called budget. <laughs> right, because you can no longer you can no longer say uh, Santiago uh, hire more uh, or Jim uh, stop spending. You know you you have to have a plan on how much they can do, how, how much they uh, have done, and how to do anything. And but it's a funny thing because uh, the investors we came in said, okay, well, you need to have a budget. And I said, look, I'm not doing a budget. It was last year, right? I said, but why not? At the time we were, I don't know um, how many we were, twenty eight, I think something. I said, I'm not doing a budget because it's a waste of time. I can see everything. I can adjust, right? I can say, oh, we have great months. Let's hire one more person. Or bad months, let's not hire one person. Um, it's only when you get north of 40 and you've got with 50 where we are now, where you can no longer do that. You you have to have, um, it's like a, a, a flight plan, you know. <laughs> First, you can fly the plane wherever you want, but at some stage, yeah. when you're on a 747, you have to say, okay, I have a plan to go to this particular destination and, and what you're going to do. <laughs> so there, there are the, these changes like that. I've done, I've gone through that in my previous companies, so I knew that it was coming. Um, I've grown companies to 65, 70 people. Now what I look forward to is uh, this one, uh, uh, my wife is my co-founder, Alina. We just want to take it all the way. We see it's a huge market, and we uh, we have no interest in selling the company. We just want to grow it. So I really look forward to uh, seeing what happens when we cross 500 people. You know, what's going to happen to me? I don't know. Like, I already have a budget. I already have head of departments. I don't know, I don't know what else do we need. Uh, it's uh, going to be go from being a cowboy to uh, being a real business. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Exactly. Maybe I need a suit. That's what I need. A suit and yeah. tie. I don't know. <laughs> you know, uh, chili pepper is distributed also. So um, we have uh, 42 people right now in 36 cities and 16 countries. And a lot of people say, oh, well, that's good at the beginning, but uh, it won't scale. So that's going to be interesting, right? To see if uh, we get to 500 people in 400 cities and 35 countries, um, it will be a very interesting experiment. We, we we're not the first there. Our companies like uh, GitLab and um, what the WordPress company, uh, and even the company behind WordPress, are already 700 people uh, distributed. Um, but for sure, it's uh, quite novel. So I look forward to that. I, I don't. I when I work remotely, I feel like I get more work done. There's less distractions. I'm much more productive. Well, yeah. I want to prove myself more as well because you've given me that trust. Well, right, and 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 not to mention all the other things like. You have no commute. Right? You don't yeah. spend an hour in your car from San Francisco to San Mateo. Uh, you don't um, have people interrupting you uh, over random things like you know, knocking on shoulders. How was your weekend? So you know, my weekend was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spend an I don't. Hour I don't want to talk. I don't care. The twelve people who ask on my, my weekend. Um, yeah, you can be a lot more focused. It's a lot, uh, and you know, in our case, we let people travel wherever they want. So. Um, and that's our culture because Alina and I uh, love traveling. And so we think we should enable the, our, our teammates to go wherever they want. And uh, and when you have this opportunity, you are going to uh, 
feel even more driven to contribute, right? So we have our guy in Lisbon right now and, and these two uh, ladies in Medellin, Colombia. You know, it's this wonderful life. So for sure you want to, to uh, make sure that life continues. And, yeah. um, and we love it that way. That's very nice. All right. It, looking back at your different companies that you've had or, or this company as well, what's, what do you think is the biggest mistake you've made uh, that has hurt growth or slowed it down? I've made different mistakes every time. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll start with Chili Pepper because I, I mentioned it already. I, I uh, uh, underinvested in marketing. I came into the marketing uh, way too late. We, we hired our CMO, uh, Jim. Um, he came in November. So whether we three months ago, barely. Uh, now that his work is done, I can see that there was a uh, a mistake. Um, I wish I'd found Jim two years ago, and, and it would be very different. So that, that's um, that's for sure. The previous company in growth. So I have this funny story where uh, my um, just in, in the short term, my first company had a good exit. My second company, uh, second company had a, an offer after eleven months of work and an offer for sixty million dollars to buy the company and the deal didn't close and um, <coughs> the market collapsed it was 2000 and uh, the deal never came back in the end I did, I did a very poor deal with Microsoft uh, so Microsoft bought the company at a much lower value and um, the following one I said I'm not going to make that mistake again it was face recognition, and uh, that um, as soon as I have a good offer, I sell and I close the deal as fast as I can. So I did that, and uh, and what I've learned is that uh, you don't want to overreact like that because then it turned out that the market was going to be big and uh, and the potentials were large. You have to have patience, but you know, you know, face recognition companies, uh, billion dollar companies, it's a real market, and you, you have to be patient. Um, you can't blame me, right? Because I had, I had missed that first exit, and I'm thinking <laughs> you, know, you get emotional about yeah, it. Yeah, well, you know the saying, right? It's, it's uh, fool me once, uh, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So that's how I felt. But uh, but looking back to your question uh, on on the growth thing, I think uh, you have to know that um, to have patience and determination, and patience because these markets they keep growing. So, for example, you look at Marketo, it is a great example, where uh, Marketo was floating, somebody take them private at, I think, 1.5 million, 1.1 million. They be more patient, they continue, uh, two years later, they sell them for 6 billion. And that's because the market is there, is growing, and if you do your job right, you know, it, it it's going to work. Um, yeah. And that's the, the thing that, um, in my previous companies, um, um, I've done wrong. Uh, so this one is time in Chili Pepper. We are patient, we determine, <laughs> we we invest the long term, and yeah. uh, we don't let little short term bumps in the road uh, affect us. Great. What uh, what one piece of advice do you have for any new founder in the early stages? The early stage. Um, there's no question that the thing that matters the most is product market fit, right? 
so before you can say you have to have a product market fit. And, and uh, I have a, an acronym uh, that I found very useful uh, to uh, think of it. It's BAGS. And it's the idea that you're going to uh, come up with the best alternative for a particular goal of a particular segment. And that goal has to be frequent and acted upon. So you cannot say, you have to make sure that there's evidence that it's a real goal. We can say, oh, people would like to, I don't know, uh, listening to music at lunchtime, right? Well, what evidence do you have of that? Um, so um, that that's the thing. And it's, it's deceitfully simple, that acronym, because you think, well, obviously, you have to be the better alternative. But often you don't think of it this way, right? You just think, uh, I have a great idea. I'm going to do, uh, I don't know, I'm going to do uh, what we're doing, a new inbox. I'm going to do a new inbox. And it will yeah. be an awesome, cool inbox. Actually, there's this inbox, superhuman. The guy started without a clear idea of why uh, it was going to work. And then he, he wrote a super successful blog post about uh, finding product market fit. But, uh, and he's been very, the blog, so it's the founder of Superhuman, the email company. And uh, the blog post is, is super uh, popular, but I think it's completely wrong. Uh, you know, it's not how it works. What you want to do is start with the right foundation, which is say, what segment am I targeting and what goal do they have that's not well met? And then how am I going to provide a better alternative? As opposed to saying, uh, I'm doing an inbox, I've done this cool feature, nobody cares. Well, how about I make, uh, I make keyboard shortcuts and see if people care? Right. Um, yeah. It's it's. I mean, it's worked for him, but it's 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 uh, rolling the dice. Whereas if you if you clear on what uh, segment you're after and what goal they have, then you can very much focus on is my product a better alternative to their current alternatives, and um, and keep working until it's the case. So that's my long answer to your question. The advice to uh, uh, entrepreneurs. And, and I then think that's course, great because yeah. then also you're you're focused on who your target audience is, and you're not yes. saying, "Well, this also fits for this person, and also fits for this person," that's and right. getting distracted. That's right. Exactly. You you know your segment, and you can pivot. You can say, "It's not working for this segment. I'm going to try this other segment." But at least while you're focusing, you have a clear segment in target. Yeah. Yeah. And and I I cut you off. I'm sorry. You wanted to say something else? No, I was just going to say. And once you've achieved that, then you have to think about the next stage, which is uh, the go-to-market and scaling. Uh, and ideally, uh, the two goes together. So that segment that you've identified, you have, you have a way to uh, reach them and, and flip them to use your product. So it's a reach and, and flip that is cost-effective. So if you if you happen to be able to think through both at the beginning, um, then it's wonderful. The... the in my space, so in Chili Pepper, we do a lot of uh, things for salespeople, but our, the core we started with is scheduling, so our competitors Calendly. And um, the founder came up with a full solution in a beautiful way, right? So he thought, okay, people have a problem scheduling by email with the back and forth. So I'm providing my segment is all professionals, which is broad, but it can work. Their problem, their goal is to schedule a meeting quickly, and I'm going to provide a better alternative. And then they, and because then the question of how do I reach all these people, which is so broad, and how do I flip them to use my product? It turned out that his own product was able to reach people because uh, 
professionals invite other professionals, and he, he did all the little details uh, in his product to flip people. So he yeah. built this beautiful, um, beautiful thing. Even though they're a competitor, I have a, a, a lot of respect uh, for, for, for how they went. So it takes a bit of luck to be in this position where um, your product design is also your marketing design in a sense. But uh, very often there are ways to think of your target segment in the context of your product and find cost-effective ways to reach them. So that's that's a second piece. Since you, you know you mostly focus on sales, um, the bags acronym is all about uh, make sure we have the right product. But then you have to bring it to market, and uh, and um, the bring it to market is a simple ability to cost-effectively reach people is what matters next. Yeah, definitely. And I think what what you were just saying before as well is uh, I think it was uh, Hotmail. Uh, you know, they the way that they developed themselves at the beginning and how they got their initial traction is by putting, because they offered the free email service before and they had people, but it wasn't like viral. And then as soon as they put it at the bottom of every email that was sent out used with a Hotmail, free Hotmail account, they went viral. So then it was in their design. Yeah, right, exactly. That was genius. Yeah. Great, Nicholas. I really appreciate you coming and uh, sharing everything. I think this is uh, super helpful. How could people reach out to you or learn more about yourself or Chili Pepper? So the important thing is to know that the company name is Chili Piper. It's a play on the world because some Piper's people. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm glad you. I'm glad you you mentioned Pepper because uh, it's a problem we have. Some people call us Chili Pepper, so it's a play on the world. We it's not it's. Piper, uh, so Chili, C-H-I-L-I, and Piper, uh, ChiliPiper.com. We um, drink our own champagne, so if you come to our website, you'll be able to book a meeting with us using the Chili Pepper um, inbound system. That's the best way to engage with us, and then we'll follow up with you. And, of course, I'm on, on LinkedIn, um, directly accessible also. Okay, I'll put a, uh, a link in the show notes to your LinkedIn so people could one-click and find you. Awesome. Cool, Nicholas, thank you very much. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for listening to Startup Sales with Adam Springer. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Contact Adam about speaking engagements or consulting services at adam at startupsales.io.